Hello and welcome to episode Route 66. Uh, I am your host, uh, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. <laughs> Go ahead, tell me to shut up. It only makes my opinions worse. David McBurney, my master. And also with us as always. Um, I don't know about always. But no, not you, not you, not you. <laughs> wow, we'll, we'll get to you. Wow, what a what a kind <laughs> way to treat our guests. Not you. Well, as always, for the months of February and March, in this case, Michael Baker, Gaijima no Gatari, out of Japan. And also with us, as always, if not in person, in spirit. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna say because like. Um, Gaijin hasn't always been on here. It's true. <laughs> it's more like now and forever. Uh, Maybe you'll be next. Just glad that I had the chance to make a drill reference right in the opening. Ah, oh, drill, a treasure. I mean, Gaijin has has no idea who that is because he's not on Twitter. Yeah, that's the oh, one tragedy of not being on Twitter. Is- I some for some reason I just feel very satisfied not knowing. <laughs> Touche. Oh, we're moving on. Yes, moving on. So, uh, we have lots of questions. Did Eric we... introduce himself, or did we just ramble? Eric uh, uh, here I am. Welcome. We're uh, so good at this. <laughs> Podcasting all stars. Oh, so we have lots of good questions, including someone actually asked about several episodes. Well, one episode late. The Commodore 64. Wheels has been aching to talk about this. <laughs> but we'll work well, up to that. I thought you were going to make an N64 joke or two. No, that's what I did in episode 64. I have to give him his moment. Mm. We'll get to that. But before the questions... <laughs> <laughs> before the questions... Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I have been playing s- some more of the Alliance Alive demo now that I can play the demo in English, and hey. boy, oh, is that a good game! Uh, I told you. Yeah, yeah. I have been playing it. Excellent. Uh, it's got uh, it's, obviously it's got like the same kind of battle system as uh, Legend of Legacy, which was an awesome game, uh, but also I. Now that I can read the game, I was able to mess around with the skill system, and I could see, oh, hey, you can spend skill points to increase your chances to learn stuff for certain weapons, which is pretty sweet. It's super grindy as hell to do that, though, or at least the beginning of the game it is, because you get they give you crap for um, points. Yeah, Talent it, points is what they are called. It does pick up later on, but the big thing is, um, since the game, like, the first three sections of the game, you're playing with different ha- sets of characters, mm-hmm. but the characters that you're not playing with during that same time period still gain talent points. Oh, scaling. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Um, so as soon as you get those characters back, you just look into their menu and you find like 10,000 points. One thing I could see as being a potential problem is that there's no stat increases in the game other than what you put on for equipment. Everyone's a saga robot. 
the other thing is, uh, obviously, the story is a much bigger factor than it was in The Legend of Legacy, where um, it was kind of just, hey, wander around this island and figure out what the what in the hell is going on. Yeah, I I remember having to put a paragraph about that in the did I was it the review I wrote for Legend? Le- yeah, I did. It yeah, was, it hadn't been announced yet. So w- when I did the review for that, it was like, yeah, um, this this game's story is not about the characters; it's about the island. The island. Is I'm on like chapter twelve. I'm currently at the place where you play as the Red Riding Hood-looking character, Rachel, yeah. and and her. Um, mage friend, I guess. But well, um, technically she's his bodyguard, and she's just along for the ride. Yeah, but um, one thing I noticed was that uh, um, I'm I'm wondering if I'm not grinding enough or something because uh, the last boss I fought basically uh killed my my guys, which is normal. But um, I keep finding that I'm when I'm fighting the tougher bosses, I'm being forced to use my final strike, which is is basically uh, gameplay element that they incorporated from Saga Frontier, <laughs> where there's a skill you could learn where you'd break your sword, but it did a crap ton of damage. Only they went overboard with this one. It does uh, even more than that did. Yeah, um, it was originally for Romancing Saga 2, but yeah, so every weapon in the game, as soon as you go into ignition mode, you can access something special. However, it costs at least like seven game, AP though. though. At least this game is nice enough that once you have access to the blacksmithing guild, you can repair those items. Whenever can you, you take it off and still repair it afterwards? I don't know about that. Um, no, I mean, it's an automatic thing that when you rest in the end, you contact range mm-hmm. of the skill. Because I've removed those weapons, and I think they disappear forever when you do that. Nope, they do not. Oh, okay. They stay in your inventory with a broken condition and, like, one attack power. Unless you have more, and you'll just equip that one, I guess. Yeah. So basically, it's it's not. Um, it is one of those things where they're you're kind of encouraged. The to resale use value it. of sorry, the resale value of weapons is pretty low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, there's I all mean, sorts of really cool stuff like later in the game. Monsters would drop. So yeah, we're not talking like Saga Frontier 2, where you're expected to actually break the weapons into little pieces. These are repetable. Um, so, don't worry too much. Yeah. I guess I kind of get over the statuses, but you kind of have to strive long enough for your ignition to start. There's probably ways to boost that, though. Oh, there's ways to boost that, and also it, um, the rate of increase starts going up the farther into the game you get and the harder the enemies hit. Mm. And there's one particular boss battle where it's kind of tiered, where um, as soon as your first wave of fighters gets killed, the next wave comes in, and they start with ignition. Mm. And you had better use the ignition attacks on every single person there, because they will last maybe two rounds before the next wave of characters comes in. And you had better (laughs) hope you've done enough damage to that boss that he dies by then. (sighs) So, yeah, that's, that's a very fun battle. Uh, um. <laughs> At least it's an RPG that actually makes use of the entire party. <laughs> yes. I believe that was the battle, the first major boss battle after I'd picked up the optional penguin character and he mm. flippered the boss to death. 
because I, I'm pretty sure that was the battle where he learned Penguin Madness, which is the same <laughs> version of Strangers of Combo. <laughs> that sounds like an amazing ability. Is that, he just goes Kung Fu Penguin on the guy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, dear. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. I've also been playing Adventures in Kiryu sitting. Uh, don't do this to me. Adventures in what now? Kiryu yeah. sitting. Are we talking Yakuza or what? That's what I assumed he was getting at. Yeah. Uh, I'm nearly done with it. And, um, Yakuza Sace? The review embargo goes up on Thursday, so I can post it by then, hopefully. Ah, okay. Say no more, literally, because it's embargo. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind embargo. of Well, the preview embargo is lifted, so I could talk about it a little. But I'm not gonna, just for you guys. Okay, thank you. I guess. Okay. Well, over here, um, Wheels mailed me an interesting game last week. Yes. And I beat the final boss last night. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, it took, like just under nine hours to beat that game that probably includes time um, added on while waiting for it to go into sleep mode at different points. Um, but yeah, so I um, he sent me Shantae Half-Genie Hero, which is plays a bit differently from, which is, um, from The Pirate's Curse, which was the previous game in the series I played. Um... Looks a lot better, though. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it depends on the kind of play style you like, because I, I found um, Half-Genie Hero, a lot of the level design was similar to Mega Man in the platform. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. more like Castlevania X. No, Castlevania, that was more like the original Shantae. Um, I remember that was a lot more like Castlevania 2, where you actually had the entire island and you as a two-dimensional world to explore and go back and forth whereas half genie hero is very stage based and if you with each um, area being split into three stages and you can't go back once you go into one actually you can there's like a warp spell you can get that warps you back to an earlier section yeah there's the warp spell but in some areas that doesn't help too much because it warps you to the next one in the sequence and if the next one in the sequence involves you sliding down a chute with no control over what you do after that. Uh, yeah. But... Um, like, I think that's like the only exception other than maybe the Carper Eye level. Yeah. Um, and... No, the Carpet Ride level, you can do it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, Pirate's Curse is more, much more like a two-dimensional Zelda clone in many ways. Um, you have... You have an overworld. You have multiple overworld areas. You have a dungeon that needs to be opened. You have rent some item within the dungeon that you need to find in order to actually make it through. And it's all very much item based instead of shape shifting. I do like that all the different games in the series have like their own different flavor. Do you play any of the pirate um, risky DLC or the frenzy and DLC? Uh, no, I have not unlocked those yet. Um, I, I mean, I literally just beat the main game last night. Okay, I think I think if you download them, you can't do it until you beat the game at least once. Yep. Yep. 
uh, which I think this particular version may have come with it. I just need to unlock it properly. Mm. But yeah, um, so that's the third game in the series that I've played, and they've all played slightly differently, and for better or for worse. I was kind of disappointed that you that they don't actually give you a little miniature beat rhythm game to do the transformation dances in this one like they did in the original. Oh, yeah. Or at least something to reference that. Well, you get a catchy... Shantae dance battle. You get a catchy vocal track, at least. Yeah. But remember, I mostly play on the streetcar train or... Ah, uh, yeah. ...toilets while waiting for my daughter to actually go to sleep at night. So I don't serve her. Um, you playing the Vita version, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I hated that version because the performance was awful. Did they patch it out so it works out? Patch which part? Patch uh, patch the Vita game to make it not run so badly. I think they have. I don't know. It ran perfectly well for me. Mm. Yeah. It's like when I played it for review back when it launched, it was. It was playable, but it was definitely laggy. Really? I, I, think, they, I, didn't I think they've definitely fixed it up since then. Mm. Although I I wouldn't know because I switched to just playing the uh, Switch version, actually, once that came out. Still the Wii U version I backed. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have to buy the Switch version because been, I've been waiting for the complete physical release to come out. I will say that Pirate's Curse had the had the nastier final dungeon, however. Spikes everywhere. <laughs> it's like, yes, I remember noting it's like... Spike okay, him in X6! <laughs> 97% of all flat surfaces in this dungeon are covered in spiky death. Crap. It's X6, <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Even X5 had spikes everywhere. That's why X6 is so freaking lazy. They basically took X5 and made it worse. Okay. So are we actually going to get on to a question? We are. No, no you shush. We are. <laughs> oh, God, I just closed the tab. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're talking Commodore 64 games... All right, let's just... You know what? Let's just jump to that question first. I'm excited. Sure, why not? Wow. Well, I've got a large list here, courtesy of Google, <laughs> and it's heavy on stuff like the old AD&D series, the Ultima series, uh, Bard's Tale, uh, a bunch of minor stuff I haven't looked at or seen before, but it seems to span a range of 1979 to 1990, and is almost all stuff that has been published elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of Commodore 64 consoles. I mean, that was like what? Either was it either the first or second console generation where there was no such thing as a console exclusive title? Pretty much. Like they were all ported to as like, many as possible. Yeah, the especially those uh, 8 bit computers. It's just like ported to everything. Doesn't matter how little sense it makes. Whatever. <laughs> But yeah, I'm seeing stuff like here, like, oh, Rogue, 1980, wow. Um, oh, my God. Wasteland, <laughs> uh, Attack, 
Um, Ultima, 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 Wizard 3, at least up to number 3. Um, Dragon, let's see, um, one of the Kryn stories, um, Curse of the Azure Bonds, Advanced Dungeons Dragons, um, Ultima 5. Something called Death Lord, and way at the back here, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Wow. Hmm. From 1990, I'm like, and it was apparently on what? Okay, it was on the Amiga, Commodore 64, Amiga OS, DOS, MS-DOS, Atari, PC 980, or 9, 9800. It, yeah, it was on pretty much everything. But this was an RPG. Cool. I'm going to have to actually try this sometime. Weird. See. Yeah. So the bigger question is, was there any reason to play any of these games on the Commodore 64 as opposed to anything else? No! <laughs> How much do you like Sid Chip music? <laughs> uh, that's basically... So. It's probably more to play the Amiga version of Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh, man. So well, basically, they... while there were an amazing number of RPGs put on the Commodore 64... Most of them had al versions on alternative consoles, m mostly better versions on alternative consoles. Oh my, yes. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I can't quite say how many of these might have been unique to, the co unique to it, but... Not a lot. <laughs> several of them have... Oh, okay, here's one. Uh, the Lords of Midnight... By Mike Singleton, circa 1984. Commodore 64 is its original console, and has been ported to Android. Wow. And is on GOG. Hmm. Oh, never mind. It was originally released for something called the ZX Spectrum. Oh, heavens. That's a, that's a British computer, and if you've seen a Spectrum game, you know what they look like. I'm guessing it looks like a poor man's CGA. Mm, it's got much more unique limitations to work within. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking look at up some screenshots right now, and it's, yeah, I can imagine. Um, Go so look yes, up some Spectrum Color Clash. So basically, uh, we just found an RPG for something even more obscure. <laughs> cool. Oh, but Mark, well, any British listener is about that uh, came from that time is about to like rend their garments in fury, but at the same time, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, so um, uh, at least this one is available on GOG and Android. Wow. Okay. Anything else that might actually justify playing it on the console? No. Um, Let's be honest. Okay, this, no. Quest <laughs> Thrawn. One is Apple II, Atari 8-bit, and Commodore 64. Yeah. That's a common listing for games of that type of that era. Yep. Temple of Apshai. Commodore 64, Apple II, DOS. Only. Hmm. 1979. Oh, God, I'm looking at the screenshots of the original Rogue and just uh, asking. Was there a Commodore 64 version of Wizardry? Probably. There, there, up through there. Wizardry 3. Hmm. So, and up 
Bard's Tale up to Bard's Tale 3, Ultima up to at least 4 or 5. Probably 4. What is the Vic 1001? Oh, you're getting into the weeds for Commodore. Uh, Commodore, That's Commodore 64 version of Zork. Probably. Um, probably. See, now that's a game that would be totally fine to play in the Commodore 64. Because yes, it's a text it's adventure. <laughs> uh, they wouldn't even bother putting graphics in there. They'd just be text. Mm. Yeah. Like, it had a relatively decent color palette and a decent amount of memory, given it was released in, like, 1982. What you gonna do? <laughs> yep. So... I'm trying to remember if I actually played any RPGs on my Commodore 64, but I'm pretty sure all my memories of said RPGs were actually on other computers. I was going to say, at what point did you own one, and did you know what an RPG was at the time? Um, it was late 80s, early 90s, and uh, yes. Wow, it was well and truly dead by that point. Oh, my yes. only memory of the 64 was yeah. like, going to someone's house that was a friend of my brother's who had one and I think they played like a Garfield game on it uh, yeah we, we had like yeah, some, that, some that was the period where I was just playing on stuff on 386 yeah we had, we had some like educational games on it we, our main computer was an Amiga and so the Commodore was what my brother and I got to mess around with and that's where you learn to love basic uh, that's where I learned that basic was terrible <laughs> And we all learned. <laughs> and the Amiga was where I played lots of uh, Sierra Adventure games, including, uh, what the hell is it called, Quest for Camelot or something? Which... I think that was an old cartoon movie, but okay. Uh, it was Camelot something, probably not Quest for Camelot. But, yeah. It's a game that made me wish for something like game game facts to exist. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, but let me read uh, the actual comment about the Commodore 64 here. Uh, there was a request for Commodore 64 questions and thoughts. All my earliest memories are on a Commodore 64. I was probably three or four, and I remember sitting on brown shag carpet in the living room and playing lots of Space Invaders, or a clone, not sure if there was an official version for Commodore 64. My dad had the oh. ma magnetic cassette adapter for it, as, w as well as some programming books. Uh, so at some point, I remember trying to copy video game programs out of the book, record them on tapes, play them back into the RAM, and hope there wasn't a single typo that would ruin it. Fun times. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so yeah, the question for the show uh, from Chase Carp. Are there any RPGs on the C64 worth revisiting, which I believe we just answered a definitive no. Or a... If you're interested in archival footage or anything like that, then yeah. maybe a yes, but not necessarily on the Commodore 64 itself. Right. I mean, the, the major one I would that would come to my mind is like the Ultima series, and obviously there's many better ways to play those early games. Uh, and yeah, as we just went through pretty much everything on the list, there's probably a better version somewhere. So uh, yeah. Just about nothing. And 
Okay, so I, since I've never actually seen a Commodore 64, they were actually magnetic tape-driven devices? Uh, I believe that was a attachment you can get. Like the, uh, okay. The one I had, so it looked it looked like just a keyboard that you that you could plug into a monitor or a TV, uh, and that there was some kind of cartridge thing in the back. Like we had some educational games that were cartridges that just plugged in, but we also had like a I believe it was a five and a half five and a quarter floppy drive that plugged into it. But I don't think it had a like a floppy drive built in or anything. So I, mean, I vaguely remember having something way back in the day that was actually cartridge based. Yeah. I think that was like 1985 or so, and I remember playing a Pac-Man clone on it and my dad soon after got a 286. Nice. His... Mm. Um was your dad crazy and did he get an MSX or something from Europe? <laughs> no, this was not a game machine. This was an actual computer. I think maybe Texas Instruments. It just happened to have some I mean like the word processing program was on a cartridge, um, uh, huh. all the other software was on a cartridge, and games on a cartridge. Uh, Tandy, maybe. It does sound like the Commodore sixty-four. I mean, this this was thirty-three years ago, so I really cannot say for sure. Whatever it was, we did not have it for very long. <laughs> what didn't we have? Commodore 64. Uh, it was the most uh, popular home computing system of the early to mid-80s in the United States. That's a shame. That's what it was. And probably wow. what my dad had. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, its competition was uh, the Atari 400 and 800 and various highly unsuccessful British imports, so... We got an Amiga, and then a bunch of Macs before finally getting a awful Windows PC. A nice PC compatible. Uh, I think uh, I don't. Maybe it was a Gateway. I don't remember what it was. It was bad. You should just be glad that you didn't have to deal with like a TRS-80 or a, you know all those other just. Random computers that no one cares about anymore. Uh, I think we had an Atari at some point. I don't remember which one. Atari ST or something. Played Space Quest on it. Is my only memory. Yeah, the ST was. Uh, uh, I could go into a long spiel about the weird computer history that caused the ST, but I don't want to. <laughs> so. And no one wants to hear it. So. Not I, really. No. I do. You can hear it later. <laughs> in fact, I have in fact already told you about it. Hasn't the gaming historian already talked about that at length? I mean, probably a lot of people have. The internet is the vast place. Listen, I have a... So I'm, just, I'm basically saying, do we really need to hear you talk about it? Listen, <laughs> I have, really don't. That's I the have point a I degree in some sort of computer subject, so this kind of stuff piques my interest always. I apologize. Some kind of... Okay. Like, if you wanted to, Two if degrees. You wanted to hear about... Two the, degrees. If you wanted to hear about that, I would ramble about uh, the... Like ridiculous errors in uh, how the frickin' Commodore reads floppy disks that make them nearly as slow as cassette decks. <laughs> but you don't want that either because it's bad. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on to a different question. From our good friend Budai. 
How do you feel about the unwinnable battle mechanic, where the game puts you in a story battle that you can't win, but you're not sure if you can or not? Some games make it more apparent than others. They need to I die get, in a fire. That's my I get, answer. I get really pissed off when I waste a bunch of items in one. I think it just depends on how it's handled in the game. Yeah. So, um, I have had a few battles where I've was sincerely hoping that it was a scripted loss by the end. And yeah. Right. It's and like they couldn't be bothered to make a cutscene, so they made you do it in an engine. <laughs> yeah. Or it just gets your hopes up like General Leo in Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. <laughs> you can hack Leo into your game now with a ROM hack. I mean, I do like it when games use like the actual game mechanics for storytelling, but yeah, you, ha you have to be really careful with that, because if you throw people into some battle where they're going to waste a bunch of items, and it's not entirely clear. Like, this happened to me uh, replaying... Just like the ones where you can like win the battle, but they'll kill you anyways. Through <laughs> scripted event. This happened to me not that long ago, replaying Final Fantasy IV, because there's some battle where it's like a string of bosses... And at some point, like, your characters get knocked down to one hip, hit point or something. And I assumed it was, like, one of those unwinnable battles. And, you know, it was just going to end and that was that. And But nope, game over screen and, yeah. I was mm. not expecting that. I like how in um, 4 you can abuse the RNG and the game programming to completely bypass the Golbez fight. <laughs> how do you do that? Yeah, um, you basically prevent him from summoning the dragon that kills you all. Oh. By killing by killing him before he could do that. Interesting. Yeah. Um. What happened? But he to technically doesn't join you, but she joins you after the game because that's in the script. <laughs> um. It's in Chrono Trigger. There was that one golem boss that you were not supposed to beat. He was he was supposed to bash you and. Then you were sent to prison. Um, what happened if you beat him? I can't remember because I, rem I, I do remember I actually. The game does it to you anyways, but you get experience for it. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, Chrono Trigger was good about that thing because it actually lets you like beat the game at ten different points, um, completely bypassing large sections of the story. Um, but yeah, I think Dark Souls. I, I've never done this myself, but I think Dark Souls, or maybe it was Demon Souls, I don't remember right now, throws you at a boss right away that you can actually beat if you're like Superman, but... You're thinking of demons. Much. Yeah, that's what I thought. You have to kill the Asylum Demon in uh, Dark Souls 1, but in Demon Souls you fight like a thing right at the end of the tutorial and like you can kill it, and the game will acknowledge that, only to kill you immediately. <laughs> when you go back there, you can snipe it with arrows, and it'll never activate, and you can kill it from that far away. Well, that's cheating! Yeah. <laughs> Which is what I did. I cheesed him. It's cheating! It's tactics! <laughs> and, and unlike uh, other kill. bosses, it, it, your souls don't come back when you kill it if you're already in the undead state. Because it doesn't treat it like an actual boss. No, oh. it's just a one-time enemy. <laughs> I thought my game had glitched out when I had done that because I hadn't activated the zone for the fight. Get in the zone. Uh, welcome me to the zone.
<sighs> All right. But there's some other good examples of railroaded losses. They should never appear in Tales of games because it looks really stupid when you've juggled the dude for like ten minutes and then he stands up and then you lose. True. Oh, oh, I, I know a good one. Um, Romancing Saga 2, Rook Bouquet. Oh. Um, if you actually beat her, then you can actually take some... Um, you can explore some of the area around the jungle and get some different results, but... You're not supposed to beat her. You're supposed to go in with your usual type of party and absolutely no defenses against charm and get brainwashed into fighting this giant stone statue for her. <laughs> Basically, she needs to get into this one ruin in the jungle and it's being guarded by Talos. And she needs you to get rid of him. So, do you, do you know Talos? Uh... Did you ever see the old movie Jason and the Argonauts? Oh, I do know that one. Yes. With, with the giant stone statue that came to life and started chasing Hercules around? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much awesome. that scenario. Ooh. Now I want sprite animations approximating Harryhausen puppetry. <laughs> um, the closest thing I've ever seen to that was the golems, uh, the stone golems in Dragon's Dogma. Hmm. Those guys actually moved like they were... Harryhausen monsters. That's really good. Yeah. Reminds me, I need to play that game at some point. Yes, you do. It's pretty good. It's buried in my backlog. And they just released uh, remastered versions not that long ago. So I have little excuse. Other than lots of Monster Hunter. <laughs> I was going to say that your excuses are Monster Hunter, Hearthstone, and Destiny. Yes. Those make. A small number, but there's certainly not small excuses. Well, not so much Destiny at the moment. Oh, that used to be your go-to. Yeah. But now it's, yeah, not so much at the moment. I think that may change after the next expansion, but we'll see. Um, what was I going to say? I think kind of the cousin to the unwinnable battle to me is the boss fight where you beat the boss and then immediately in the story you haven't beaten the boss and it make and it kind of makes the whole fight you just took place in pretty unsatisfying. It's really magical when they do that where you have to beat the boss even though the story will declare that you didn't. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Or just fight him to a standstill and then he laughs and runs away. Yeah, it just... I mean, I understand you're trying to... It's, it's like, okay, we did a boss fight here, but we can't actually defeat the guy here. It just... I don't know. Come up with some random minion, have him summon a monster, something else. It just... It, it makes it makes the fight feel very unsatisfying. And I think this actually happened to me recently in... Uh, maybe it was... I don't know. Maybe It may have been Xenoblade Chronicles 2 or something else. I don't remember, but yeah, I've seen I've seen some of those lately, and uh, I think the biggest culprit for me was, I know I've bashed this game plenty, was in Tears for Tears to TR2, that l wonderful game that felt like two different games, that Stone Cold Classic, yes, which <laughs> often felt like two different disconnected games because worse than any other game I've played, you'd beat a boss and then the story would almost act like the 
giant long extended cool battle you just fight you just had didn't happen at all and instead just does some other story sequence very frustrating I, I really wish that someone could just extract all the strategy battles out of that game and put it in its own game and just delete the uh, the the rest of it yeah I think I, ex I accidentally played something that was almost the complete opposite of that really where yeah it um, I should have paid a bit closer attention to what the extra the added thing to the title meant because I'm pretty sure it meant story-only version. <laughs> and I did not realize this until I had gone through about 14 scenes worth of story across a decade. I'm thinking, is there a game anywhere in this? Or are these things you talk about? Wow. Well, I certainly thought that about Tears to Tiara uh, during its um, brief intro, which... I think had one uh, basically unlosable battle. I think for the first five hours or so. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, that game. Oh boy! All right, <clears throat> let's move on to the next question here, which is much more interesting. Uh, which of the two? Which of the two are you more excited for, uh, Scarlet Lee? Grace's Switch for conversation's sake, a US release too. So, for the sake of this question, we're assuming. Assuming that Scarlet Grace is coming out. Yes. The for the Although sake. there's reason to believe it because apparently there was a filing for Steam. It's on the Japanese website. There's a Steam logo on there. Uh, so yeah, we're we're gonna assume it. it we're, it's not confirmed, but we're just gonna assume it for this question or Octopath Traveler. And for me. Um, as much as I like the demo of Octopath Traveler, for me, the answer is uh, Saga Scarlet Graces, uh, because I still don't trust the Bravely Defart team. Well, agree, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, agreed, but wow. <laughs> Thoughts? Anyone else? I think I think Acquired well, is actually co-developing along with Silicon Studios. Ooh, interesting. Is it having having played Saga Scarlet Grace and having to soon restart it because I mucked around a little badly at the beginning and skipped a section of plot, a side plot, which means I'm under leveled. Um, I'm gonna have to say Octopath Traveler because I have no idea what that's gonna play like. <laughs> Oh, sorry, you don't have a Switch, so you haven't been able to play the demo at all. Nope. Yeah. It, it's basically Bravely Default, but 2D. Uh, it's got uh, some other elements in there. It's generally somewhat, like, it's a little less... Saga. It's got a little in there. It's it's a little weirder. It's like Sogly Default. Yeah. Sogly. <laughs> I don't know. Sag saggy. Saggy That's Default. Because it's, it's got that uh, four years of light system where you can build up power and then you could like do yeah. a really powerful attack. It's also or, got like they just announced it has a job system which Yeah. Which you can like have a secondary job. Which you can switch at random. But yeah, this version this new version is coming out for PS4, Switch, Steam, iOS, and Android. And seems to be fully titled uh, Saga Scarlet Grace Hero No Yabo. 
so yeah fun times it looks like it's Heroes slightly League. yeah it looks slightly more uh like oh, it looks cool. like they <laughs> they got a very slightly higher amount of budget for it very slightly yay budget i'm just glad it's like good performance <laughs> the game won't crash on you and run like shit <laughs> Well, let's let's not make I assumptions. Don't know. I mean, secret of mine. <laughs> well, it might run like that. shit, but it might not run, run as badly. <laughs> well, the battles have proper animations now, but uh, they, it seems to also have some new characters in it. I'm not sure if there's any new protagonists, but there seem to be new characters. Hmm. Uh, How many were there originally? Apparently, quite a few. <laughs> So are we talking it's like, like 12 compared to the usual 9 that they shows up in Scarlet Oh, Oh, you mean protagonists? Oh, protagonists, yeah. I think there are only 4 in Scarlet Grace. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. just, there's only 4, and it's chosen by personality test at the beginning. Yeah. Hey. A, who are you? Who, which character should you be starting out as? Yeah, pretty much. Isn't that kind of like Ogre Battle? Actually, it, it resembles the start of Ogre Battle quite a bit, and then it but it's specifically to tell you what kind uh, or which protagonist you get instead of giving you a card mm. or anything. Yeah, I'm interested in... Like, I want this... I'm hoping that the... I can't imagine them doing a Steam release just for Japan. That seems completely crazy, but... Yeah, and who with, knows? with an iOS release, uh, shockingly, they seem to just kind of translate most of the iOS releases, so... Well, at least the Saga port has fared better than that Chrono Trigger mishap. Whoops. I feel like Akitoshi Kawazu spends a lot of his time trying to make sure that the Saga brand isn't horribly manhandled, so... Witness the well, fact the one that thing that bothers me about the Saga <laughs> release on Switch was uh, the game... I don't know if it's like just the nature of the game, but it does seem to be a little laggy. I don't know if they patched it since then. Oh, for Romantic Saga 2? Yeah. Uh, I would say that's probably the nature of being a mobile port. <laughs> what were you saying, Kaijin? I was going to say, witness the fact that the only successfully done remakes, uh, true remakes that Square's ever done have all been Saga games. Yeah. <laughs> saga 3. Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, there seems to, like... I recall reading that at one point they were intending to patch the Vita version of uh, Scarlet Grace, and I'm wondering if that's still in the cards or if they just turned that into this updated version. But, uh, like, it looks fun. I want New Saga. I like the indication of New Saga. And, like, I'm all in on Octopath Traveler. I'm glad that that's coming out earlier in the year than I was expecting. I didn't yeah. expect that to be a July release. But, uh... I, if I were to answer honestly in my heart of hearts, I'm more interested in Scarlet Grace. <sighs> Got to listen. There's not a lot of Kawazus in this world. There might, in fact, only be one. <laughs> there can be only one. Kawazu Lander. Many. <laughs> it's not nearly enough. <laughs> As it turns out, Kawazu is one, the one that won... Uh, what the hell is the name of the thing in Highlander? I don't think it has a name. I think it's just 
What? The quickening? Yeah, oh, yes. That's the name of the process. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. He's it's the winner. Tournament. <laughs> you just call yourself the Kurgan. I just realized that Japan gets Valkyria Chronicles 4 in like two weeks. What the hell? That's not fair. No, it's well, okay. So you can... another mobile port that I hope ends up translating to Steam and not being completely broken is this Valkyrie Profile Lenneth. Uh, well, they're using that PSP version as a base. That's not a great version to start with. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. It's all fine. Oh, from what I played, the PSP version seems okay, but apparently there's like issues later on. It's got I didn't down give issues. Right, uh, like chapter four or no chapter, like start of chapter three. That's and it didn't got... seem to be. Yeah, I'm. I'm imagining when I get the more intense spells, it'll show its colors as this being a terrible port. <laughs> it's not awful. I mean, if you haven't played original Valkyrie Profile, like that was the first way that I could play it because I couldn't spend a hundred and some odd dollars on Valkyrie Profile by the time that I. <laughs> I was actually lucky and I got mine for twenty dollars on eBay, but it didn't come in a complete box. I, it's like the game was in a like some jewel case somebody found. That's still better than most people were going to get, but yeah, like Valkyrie Profile Lenneth is not an awful version, but it's a strange name to attach to it by virtue of the fact that it's, you know, mostly known for being oh, this is the worst version of, of Valkyrie Profile. Also, the intro sequence where Gillette gets, Jolanda gets absorbed by the demon is horrifying. <laughs> the choices were made here. Yeah. It's like in the game, she just turns the thing and this one is like she gets swallowed by it. Good hard time. For me to, yeah, I don't. I don't want to think too hard about it. I want to. Uh, hopefully, it gets ported to other things. I don't want to try to play that game on a, a phone. Yeah, that seems bad. That seems like an antithetical game for that platform. I can imagine the battle system works fine on the phone, but it's the moving around in the platform part that would be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's really going to be the issue. Speaking of that game, what uh, what exactly is Trace up to these days? Anything? Uh, Star Ocean for your phone. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, that's right. They that's just not me making a joke. They just released that game not all that not all that long ago that I haven't played yet. What Star Ocean for your phone? No, not Star Ocean for your phone. The one, <laughs> the one for PS4 and Vita. It was uh. Five? No, no. No, five's not on Vita. No. Oh. Exiles. Oh. Ends. Uh, no. Exiles ends become something different. You're thinking of um. Um. Uh, it does have exile in name, but. I'm just gonna go look it. at what freaking Trias is making, and this will solve the mis solve the mystery. Exile. Exist archive. Exist archive is. Thank you. Um. We got. Currently, we have um, as of, play that on the <laughs> as of the end of 2016, we had a smartphone titled named Star Ocean Amnesis or Anamnesis. Yeah, uh, yeah that never anam got localized. Anamnesis, like that, theoretically could still get localized, but probably won't. I'm not actually going to tear up too much about it. Yeah, how well did uh, three and four sell on <laughs> Steam Big and PS4? Yeah, I have no earthly idea why they did that. I think me and we, we'll still have like a standing bet over who has to sit through 
a bunch of Star Ocean 3 and stream it for the other. Uh, well, I believe you bought 3 and I bought 4, and that is... I have not bought 3 yet, but I if we're going to do that, three, I mean... But it's it, but three story just that's the three thing. Is, three is way worse than four. Yeah. Dude. Well, wh- I don't know because like I can at least stand some of the characters in three, but the f- characters in four just make me want to throw up and hang myself. Yeah, but three well, gameplay is worse. If anybody would like to trade, I still have a copy of Blue Sphere. Looking for a good home. Oh man. GBC, uh, OG, original GBC version, I presume? I don't think there was a physical release of any other version. There was no physical release of the cell phone improved version, unfortunately. So yes, it is only the Game Boy Color version. Oh, man. I'm really tempted to take you up on that, but I don't have anything to trade for it. So, <laughs> I think the thing I hated most about gameplay in 3 was that some bosses required you to MB kill them. <laughs> yeah, this boss has 5 million HP and 20 MP. Good luck. <laughs> The MP kill concept is obnoxious to begin with. I don't know, I had fun with that in some of the Italia games in the PlayStation 2 period. I would imagine that it's better implemented there because it's not an action game. True. They also had a major character who was a ghost and so had no hit points or battle points, only MP. (laughs) And And her direct attack targeted MP. So what did you do, exercise it? Hmm? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. No, it's a party member. You keep it. <laughs> oh. Oh, you, you do not ex- try to exercise Pamela. As witnessed <laughs> by the fact that she has shown up in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. About 12. She's shown up in more games than any other character that Gust has ever made. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. The new map. The, the weirdest thing about the Iris series is that, like, for a character name supposed to be that she 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 should be in it but no she's like already dead <laughs> I think she shows up in the third one right maybe I never played the third one yeah <sighs> or she, at least she's supposedly dead yeah. I forgot what question we're on <laughs> uh we were on the octopath traveler one so we're gonna jump. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we are off the octopath track. Correct. One. We are so Cor- far off. Correct. Uh, next one is: if for some weird reason you were in a situation where you were forced to get a gaming-related tattoo, what would you choose? Probably well, pick a small one case, so that I don't hurt. <laughs> in this case, I would probably, since I would have to explain it to my wife afterwards, and she would certainly have a flaming fit. I think I would choose what is actually the family crest of her family of her family line uh, uh, so, I go Hojo yeah well you know um, Triforce most fa- most families in Japan have a, a Kamon seal that's yeah. their symbol um, they'll often have it on kimono or things even if they don't do anything else with it mm-hmm. my wife's family's Kamon is the Triforce <laughs> wow I'm not joking it, it is the, the three triangles <laughs> together it looks exactly like the Triforce that is wow. rad yes See, I'm I just mean, celebrating not, your family. Yeah, it's not a particularly rare come on because <laughs> I've seen it in other situations, but yeah, it it's just kind of fun right there. Yeah. So for this question, I would just probably just get the Triforce and then tell everybody that it's my family crest. Nice. Which it is. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's way better. But uh, Yeah, I'd pick something small because I like the concept of getting stabbed with needles is 
nightmarish to me. Mm. Um, well, I'm sure know. somebody would love to get a full pinup girl version of like Tifa Lockhart. Mm. <laughs> Just all along your back. <laughs> or, uh, or hey, just pick your favorite um, Yakuza character and have his tattoos. Oh, there you oh, go. Man, get that if gigantic Majima tattoo. Ever going to Japan ever? Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that uh, it feels like getting tattoos at all might have some connotations there, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, if it's small and you can cover it over with a bandage or something, they don't care if you go to the public. Yeah. Office. Uh, yeah, any any big tattoo, like anything that would be considered like a sleeve, might get you some looks. Yeah, but if you're obviously foreign, then... So just assume you're a weird foreigner. Yes, up until the point where it actually gets to almost full-body coverage a la Yakuza style. In which case, you will be politely asked to leave many establishments. Ooh. I, really, I really appreciate the uh, part in, I think, Yakuza 1 that they use as an excuse to exposit on, like, the uh, mythological underpinning of the entire like symbolic conflict going on in the game, and they use the excuse of like, "Oh, your tattoo—it needs to be touched up. It's getting a little uh, faint. You need to go go your tattoo artist and touch it up, so that he can exposit about dragons and carp tattoos." That's actually a pretty good way of doing it. Yeah, no, it's a good scene. Uh, so, oh, now I'm remembering um, the first Kuzunoha Raido game, Devil Summoner. Yeah, Air, um, it actually has a, a chapter where he has to go interrogate somebody at a bathhouse, and it's actually a Yakuza bathhouse. Uh. And it has this great scene where the, the image of the, the Oni is revealed, and it turns out to be on somebody's back. Yeah, that was a neat game. I liked that setting. It would be interesting to see... Uh... More games, try that one. More well-done version of it. Hmm. <sighs> now we are in the next console generation, so we shall see what Atlas comes up with. This tends to be the time period where they come up with the newest weird variation, anyway. Yeah, now's the time to start reviving whatever sub-brand they feel like bringing back. <laughs> and taking it in the weirdest possible direction. Yeah. Oh man, I really appreciate. Now I'm just thinking about Soul Hackers because I really appreciate how how much it is such a product of the '90s. No yeah. other time could have that understanding of the internet. The Spookies is like so Scooby Doo. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I'm thinking. Um, I remember playing it the first time and realizing what they, the bad guys were actually doing to people via the internet on that game, and thinking, I saw this on an episode of the Double Dragon cartoon in the late '80s. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that was on the late 80s? I thought that was or, 90s. Or 90s, or whenever it was, I don't remember because I only saw a few episodes and one of them had this weird cybernetic internet construct that was stealing people's souls. I've seen like three episodes of that show and the one that I remember is one that was just like, they like they all got, a bunch of people got addicted to space, like drugs, and then they flexed a bunch <laughs> and were no longer addicted to drugs. Yep. Um, but getting back, to, getting back to Soul Hackers, I really appreciated the creativity that went into um, coming up with a virtual reality system that involves psychopomps. Yeah, that, like I, mean, I love. It. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that was. I mean, 
of all the ways to get around some really hard technical issues with that kind of virtual reality, you chose to make it spontaneous astral projection. <laughs> Vision quest. <laughs> really good. Literally, yes. But yeah, I love everything about Soul Hackers except like the actual dungeon exploration, which is hard and mean. <laughs> I just used the hacks to make it easier. <laughs> yeah, I did like the hacks in the D- 3DS version. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much the only way I could play it. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I had fun with them, but I usually turned them off anyway. Um, I, I played through most of the game on PlayStation before, so I knew what I was getting into. Yeah, I forget what... Was, this, was it the Sega Saturn or PlayStation version that was the original? It was probably Sega Saturn first, because that's the one that the first Devil Summoner... Yeah, original Devil Summoner debuted on. Uh, but um, it had a slightly improved PlayStation port, which is what I played. Yeah. That happened a lot at that point, I feel like, where there was just like, uh, you know, we're, we'll support the Saturn. Oh, this we could yeah, probably that's... get a lot more people to buy it if we put it on PlayStation. I mean, one way or the other, because, I mean, like, Linda Cubed had the PlayStation version first, and then they made the, um, the Sega Saturn version with a an extra scenario on it. Yeah. Oh, on Alpha System, remake that one, come on. Back in the period where everyone thought that a port had... Oh, good. You could probably get away with the extreme bloody violence this time. Yes. <laughs> Put it on Vita and Switch and PS4 and... Oh boy, you got at least five people who will buy it. Yeah. One of which will be me. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, one of the, uh, it's interesting to look back at that period and it's like, oh, this, this port has to have something about it that sets it apart from the version that it appeared before. Like maybe there will be just an art gallery or a sound test or whatever, but there has to be something in it that wasn't in there last time to justify its existence. <sighs> Very that, of the era. But then that gets us to the reason why the PSP port of Devil Summoner never made it to America. Yeah, Sony's uh, beautifully baffling policy of this video game that never came out in the U.S., doesn't have enough new content to be released in the U.S. Boo. Yeah. That's a Byzantine uh, set of guidelines strangling each other. No, no, Byzantine, I don't think that one's the right word. I would say something more like Kafka-esque. Yeah, Kafka-esque is probably a better one. It's not that complicated to understand, but it is... It does kind of break your brain. (laughs) Yeah. It takes a willing suspension of logic in order to make it apply properly. Tony, I promise you, 100% of that content is new to the people that are playing it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, well. But then again, they also uh, used that explanation. Uh, there wasn't enough new content to bring over the Suicode and 1 and 2 port, which were games that were infamously rare at that time. Yeah. <sighs> Sony was making. Sony was on some next level decision making decision uh, decision making in general in the mid to late two thousands. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think that I can get a gaming tattoo. I think I would die. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have to get something Monster Hunter related because there's a lot of cool like little icons for the different monsters that. 
Uh, even not knowing anything about Monster Hunter look pretty cool, so. Wheels is going to get a cut coo tattooed along his back. <laughs> I get a tattoo of either Kirby or Pikachu. So Nogi's going to go for the Legend of Zelda hearts on the wrist? <laughs> no, no. Then I, then I don't have room to expand my life meter. meter. I'd be screwed. <laughs> no, you just have to go back to the tattoo artist to get it expanded. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it would have to, like, go... I was thinking of it wrapping entirely around the wrist, and that's where my problem is. Like, oh no. Oh, no. Speaking I'm of, of heart. Kirby, that's out this week. Oh yeah, Star Which is oh, like God. some weird fusion of Return to Dreamland and um, all and All Stars and Kirby sixty four. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of our modern Kirby now. Here's some here's some old Kirby, but repurposed. No, I mean Superstar. Sorry, not All Stars. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a Kirby All Stars. Not yet. Uh, not with that attitude, anyway. Give it time. <laughs> uh, Kirby and Wario. Man, what would a Kirby RPG even look like? Uh, you have to uh, consu- probably like that battle screen. In you that have to one consume level. enemies to gain levels. I think this is just no, no. Now I'm imagining Kirby as having like a saga level up system, but he works like a monster in Saga. Saga Frontier Monster. That actually makes a bit of sense. Yeah. Let's send this to Nintendo. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of Nintendo, there's a bunch of stuff. Are you guys gonna get to that? Oh, are we gonna talk about the anything Probably. else that showed up in the direct? Yeah. <laughs> under Switch. Uh, yeah, under Switch will. And uh, remakes of games that they skipped because that game was terrible. <laughs> we are vindicated by the fact that not even Nintendo wants to acknowledge partners in time. Partners in what? I've never heard of such a thing. Wow. Partners in crime? That game we all Wait, want to happen? Yeah, where are you in crime? out and curse your existence. <laughs> no, Wario and Waluigi Partners in Crime is forthcoming. TBD. Very important. <laughs> what were you saying, Gaijin? I was going to say, um, Wario and Waruigi, partners in crime. Exactly. Yeah. Exact- it's the game everyone wants to happen. It's on the tip of everyone's tongue. Yeah. First, they have to play tennis together, I guess. Is there an RPG mode in that? There's a story mode. I can't tell if it's yeah, an RPG. Yeah, that makes me sad. Camelot's basically just nothing but a Mario sports games maker yeah. now. So please give us a remake of Golden Suns one and two, mm. and maybe even three, and give us a new Golden Sun. It's nice to have dreams. Wasn't huge on Golden Sun. I would prefer uh, Golden Force. Yes, that could be, that could be a spin-off after the, the, the new game. <laughs> Wheels just wants to sit around playing Golden in the Darkness. Uh, no, stop. <laughs> yeah, is anybody looking forward to refrain <laughs> the Shining Force uh, uh, Shining <coughs> Resonance? I mean. No. I, I can't even tell how many Shining games there are I, at this I, stage. I, I don't like, care. As far as what I can tell, it plays. It looks like it plays a little bit like the Revolution game. Oh, which was all... God. Oh, God. <laughs> Why? 
The weird thing is, Shiny Blade plays like an actual Valkyria game. This one plays like the Revolution spinoff. <laughs> okay, well, I'm done thinking about that at all. Um, I don't want to think about that forever. Uh, there's a Mario and Luigi 3 freaking remake. It's better than Partners in Time, but I still don't like it. Whatever. It's quite a bit. The only thing I think fell flat were the inside Bowser levels. It's like I, I can't take how much that game talks. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, it destroys that, me. That that is not nearly as bad as uh, Dream Team. Dream Team was just awful. It, it was fifty hours long, and there about thirty of those hours didn't need to be in there. <laughs> I've never played Dream Team. Because like my... you, get to, you get to Bowser's castle and you find out you can't get into it until you get the MacGuffins of whatever for reasons. It's like, damn it, game! Here, <laughs> nearly at the end of the game, you decide to extend this by twenty, 20 like, slash thirty hours. Like that's that's kind of the thing with like Mario RPGs and why I just I don't play them sight unseen anymore is that like since at least Thousand Year Door, one of the run one of the go to jokes slash game extenders is like go back do a bunch of stuff ha 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 I'm wasting your time oh yeah, so funny that. Say what? So he actually says I'm wasting your time no it doesn't actually say that but it's essentially like the point of the thing like there's a point like the reason that it struck me is like I was playing I think I've related this story before but I was playing Thousand Year Door and like you get near the end and there's several quests that are just go scour the entire world to talk to like one NPC <laughs> Where is he? Who knows? Go find him. Uh, I just... always love that kind of padding. Yeah, and it's just like it, the video game. No, it's not funny. I'm just pissed off at you, and I don't want to finish anymore. <laughs> and guess what? I didn't. But <laughs> so let's just let's just have an RPG set in England, and whenever that happens, you find the character over at Paddington Station, <laughs> regardless oh. who it is, and. Or what you need to do, the person that you need to talk to is always going to be there, and you have to find some way of getting there. That makes sense to me. So, checks plus in the mail. Ten, plus ten points if the NPC is a bear. Yeah, I mean, that's just canon. Yeah. Barely canon. Well, Wheels is now fired out of a cannon. <laughs> no! Um, <laughs> Secret of Mana, no cannon. <laughs> that was still my favorite part of that of the original Secret of Mana game was the cannons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a chance to play it with my niece a bit last summer, and her reaction to the cannon was hilarious. <laughs> How old's your niece? Uh, she's in fourth grade now. Mm. Yep. I can imagine that was hysterical then. Can it travel? Mm-hmm. Of all the ways that they could do a long, did they, did they figure it was like it was too much of a cartoon-like move, so they cut it out? <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's no good reason to cut it out. Whatever the reason was, uh, I think much like everything else in that game, it was rushed and underfunded, so they couldn't afford to do it in the first place. Uh. Kind of like how they couldn't afford to do animations, proper animations for the characters. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> or good voice acting. Uh, the voice I mean, it, it can have. I lo- I like the voice actings, but it can have had a much bigger budget than uh, Adventure Mana. Yeah, unfortunately, it had bigger enough budget to allow for voice acting, but that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. What question were we on again? How'd we get from tattoos to this? I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we actually rambled into not answering a question, but just rambling about what appeared at the Nintendo Direct. Oh, uh, yes. Well, Budai says, Monster Hunter will be the best-selling RPG of the year. That's right. I would say true or false, but it's looking like a lock now. If you think anything else has a chance, what would it be? Uh, Xenoblade 2. That seems unlikely. More than Monster Hunter World? I was say, Monster Hunter mm-hmm. World is actually pulling in... Not more, but about the same, hopefully. So. I, I sincerely... As, as much as I would enjoy that game selling that well, like, Monster Hunter World, I think, is at, like, sitting near 7 million at the stage. So, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think anything's passing that up. It, it's, it's hitting into mainstream level right now. Yeah, I would say... Japan. I would say unless uh, Elder Scrolls uh, 6 randomly shows up this year, uh, it's probably going to be Monster Hunter. Not likely. Yeah, yeah. I believe uh, I believe Bethesda itself keeps claiming that Elder Scrolls 6 is like five years off anytime they're asked, regardless of what year it is. So. Well, I mean, they keep selling... Uh, we just got another version of 5 last year, so... Skyrim VR is selling. the best-selling VR game, having <laughs> sold less than a million copies. That's not the one I was even talking about. Ugh. Gah. Ugh. Wow. You're that upset? He's talking about Switch Rim. Oh, oh yeah, nothing, Switch. Not Switch Rim. I like my yeah. version better. What rim? Oh. Skyrim on the Switch. Switch. Even with all the bugs that they refuse to fix. They actually fixed some that aren't fixed in any other version, which makes it funnier. Mm. Uh, Not a lot, but a few. Enough to make it clear that they were aware of and decided they needed to fix some of them. I still remember how horribly broken the uh, PS3 version was. So bad. It's really amazing that you bought like every... Uh, frickin' Bethesda game on PS3 before realizing that none of them, that they were always the worst version by a country mile. I'm pretty sure that was the only one I bought on PS3. I'm, I thought you bought New Vegas on that as well. No, uh, no, I got that on, um, I got that one on Xbone. Actually, I think I may have bought it on PC first. <sighs> okay, for some reason I thought you had bought, like, several, like when you bought, like, five Call of Duties at once. That was a mistake. Why? That was I will a mistake. never stop making fun of you over this. <laughs> Why? I played Call of Duty 4. Its story mode is actually really good. And and then I briefly lost my mind. <laughs> it was really weird. I I don't I don't know what I was doing. I bought Call of Duty Modern Modern War Blair 2 and Call Blops. Call Blops. I actually like Black Ops. It's me, Carl Blops. I still like Blops. Um, but yeah, and then I was like, why do I have any of these? These all suck. And that was that. I was really excited when um, Infinity, 
Infinite Warfare was announced, and then they showed Space Battles, and I was like, this looks neat. And I heard that it was actually all terrible. Yeah. I'm gonna say, um, the only uh, Call of Duty worth playing is named uh, Titanfall and Titanfall Two. <laughs> those are the good ones. Yes. Yep. Those aren't Activision. <laughs> yeah, no, but they're made by they're made by what remains of Infinity Ward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they are actually good. I did get Titanfall Two for like ten bucks on PSN. I got it for six bucks. Even though I already had it on Xbox. Actually, why not? Actually, for Titanfall. Maybe that's the version I bought. How long ago did you get that one? Last week. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's what I got. Yeah. <clears throat> Although I think I got it like a week ahead of you or before you because I think that that went on for a while. Could be. Okay. Yeah. Wait, um. <laughs> Why the hell are we talking about Call of Duty? Okay. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Okay, so let's get, actually get back to a question. Uh, well, I was, I was going, yeah. I was going to say if if Black Ops Four is an RPG that may be the best-selling RPG of the year, I don't it's know. Not an RPG, and you know it. Yes, thank God. And I don't I mean, know. There's a level-up system in multiplayer, but that's not an RPG. <laughs> yeah. I hate this line. <laughs> it is RPG ish. Uh, Call of Duty crap uh, Did we have any questions left over from last time? Or? I feel like we uh, definitely do. We still have one more from uh, Budai, actually, and then we can go check back last week. Uh, do you think Capcom would have loved a day one release on PC to go along with console versions? Or do you think they see another huge release this fall as staggered benefit to give the title legs? I don't think the PC games make as much as you think, Budai. I don't think they really. I'm sure that they would have been fine releasing them all at once, but yeah. I think that also there's a reason that they didn't want to delay the console version to coincide with the PC version. Yeah. Because they knew they'd fuck up the PC version anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not going to matter. Like, dude, no matter what quality that PC version is at, like, p the people who care that much about that version are going to scream bloody murder that they didn't put enough attention into it. It's true. Mm. Yeah. And they'll wait until it's on sale for $2 also. Yeah, that's kind of the big thing, is that, like, there's a there's a fairly PC, sizable... Like, for next to nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a fairly sizable, like, audience on Steam, but, like, the amount of them that buy things day one rather than wait until something is $7 is not a significant fraction. <laughs> so, it's like... It doesn't, to them, like, the PC version is the one you put out when you think you've got, like, it only matters that it's out eventually, because you're, it's mop-up sales. It's like, well, you know, people will buy this eventually, and we don't have to put any effort into, like, shelving or stock or, like, anything other than get it there initially, and then it just sits <coughs> there collecting money until the end of time. It's one of those things, like, I'm sure they would have been fine releasing it on PC day one, but I don't think that it was considered a priority, and hence yeah. why they didn't bother. But, yeah, like, I don't, I don't, there will probably be no significant marketing push for it on PC when it does come out on that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no. Just, 
yeah, with PC, you also have the fun and games of different computers having different specs and servers, and I'm not quite sure what else would make it different from online play with a console, but I'm sure there is enough to really drive somebody completely insane. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, as it turns out, uh, PC is kind of a giant umbrella for a fairly vague standard. (laughs) (sighs) PC, a.k.a. Windows-based PC. (laughs) A.k.a. also, like, the uh, x86 family of processors is a vast and varied Hydra. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a program. There's something to program in BASIC. Instead of having it say "Hello World," you have it say "Hail Hydra." <laughs> oh. <laughs> At least that's uh, easy to do in BASIC. Yeah. I need to get going. I got to get ready for bed. Sure. Okay. Right. See, you, Eric. Thank you for joining us, Eric. All right. So we should check the thread from last week to see what sort of things we missed, because, yeah, I'm sure we missed something. Uh, I've been looking, and I think we got most of it from last week. I feel like we've done a fairly good job of mop-up. I see. If by mopping up you mean splishing and splashing stuff all over the place while trying to get it to go, yeah. (laughs) Listen, we've ca- we've vaguely collided with a handful of questions in the past. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, wheels, update the archive one day. Nope, wait for the new site. Well, from let's see, from episode sixty-three, it ended up with a conversation over which version of Final Fantasy II was better. That's, oh, yeah, that's uh, right. That was weird. A long discussion to have. Yes. Oh, and, uh, here I don't think we ever talked about this one. Uh, I don't it? know if anyone has the answer. From Shaman, what? is there a more difficult character recruitment in an RPG than Xavier and Fire Emblem Thracia Seven Thracia Seven Seven Six? Yeah, Thracia. 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 Thank you. Okay. Uh, I I have seen it written out in katakana on the game in the store. It's Thracia or okay. Thracia. Oh, Tra. Hmm, interesting. Because again, they go by the. They often use the original Greek pronunciations of a lot of things. Mm. So where it got changed to a C in Latin into a soft C in English, it stays mm-hmm. a K in Japanese. Ah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. But uh, I don't know anything about this particular character recruitment he's talking about. Does anyone? Nope. No, but I think the conversation went something like, "You have to, like, convert the set of units over to your side, and they're sitting in the middle of a bunch of enemy units." And you have to keep everyone alive somehow. I think there was something like that. that sounds really, remember, really awful. <laughs> when in he fact, brought it from his own spoiler alert thing, <laughs> you have to guide a group of civilians to talk to different armored units to turn them into NPCs. Then talk to Xavier with the main lord. Except the civilians are all dumb as bricks, and the armored units not only have an enemy troop in the middle of the group, but after you turn one of the armored units, the enemy troops will attack. Oh boy! The, what when I read. Like his statement, the first character that came to mind is Reiji in Persona One. If anyone bothered to finish that game, no. I mean, several of the recruitable characters in Persona One were mutually exclusive, and a couple 
only appeared, um, only s stayed with you if you went the, the what is it? Seabeck or uh, Snow Queen. No, the Snow Queen's quest, where it was essentially a completely different game. Um, yeah. Uh, what was one that would be really hard to recruit? Okay, it, not an actual playable character, but the Elemental Spirits in Magical Vacation, the original game. Yeah. Um, in order to get all eight of each element, you had to do some really ridiculous things. So, um, so for example, there was one. I mean, with each um, with each elemental up on the list having a stronger or more stringent requirement. So, like some of these elementals would force you to divest yourself of all of your healing items. <laughs> um, there, the light elementals would. Um, would not join you if you had a certain number of dark elementals with you. Oh. Um, up to the number eight light elemental, which would not join you if you had recruited even one dark elemental. Ooh. Love it. Um, it. It was either that or the opposite, where the dark elementals wouldn't do it. Uh, it one way or the other, but there was then there was the love elemental, where the where it was gated depending on how many gummy frogs you um you had caught in the game. Yeah. The gummy frogs being the primary healing item that you could actually find hopping around on the ground sometimes. Um, and in order to get the level 8 love elemental, you had to have not caught a single frog in the entire game up to that point. Wow. Yes. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to max out everything in that game 100%, it was a beast. And you had to really plan stuff out, and there were a few spots where you just had to skip over getting things because you would have had to pick up a frog in order to get to it. So. <sighs> yeah, uh, like, for, for context, uh, the Seabeck quest, you, you could only get Reiji in the Seabeck quest of Persona 1. And to get him, you had to talk to a teacher who would tell you about a student that's hanging out in one classroom. You go to that classroom and talk to, uh, and meet him for the first time. Then you go talk to a student in a different classroom. Then you have to go to a convenience store and talk to his mom, but only once, because if you talk to her a second time, he locks off again. What? <laughs> then you have to go, go to a casino and talk to a guy in there. Uh, he'll tell you that, uh, where Reiji likes to hang out. Then you have to go m meet him again. Uh, and he will then depart. Then you have to turn away all three other characters that try to join your party at this point and go through a dungeon without a fifth character. And then when you actually get through the Seabeck building, he will join you after he normally, what is normally his last appearance in the game, where he will, because like, normally you will see him try to fight with uh, one of the game's major antagonists, and like, You'll see him fighting, but by that point, it will have long since become impossible to recruit him. Oh yeah, this is the guy who's actually part of the post of the uh, New Game Plus content, isn't it? He's not entirely New Game Plus, but he's definitely like uh, you're not going to find him your first time through unless you're following a guide. Yeah. He is also the only character with affinity toward devil personas, which is uh, weird when you're first playing the game. It's like, oh, everyone is bad with these. No one can use them well. Yeah, I remember reading about this guy, and he's also got a negotiation ability that's the only thing that works on certain enemies, including a lot of devil types. 
Yeah, he's a giant pain in the ass to recruit. It's awful. Is it worth it? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one is a real world beater in Persona 1 because the game's combat is weird and its XP allocation is terrible. And, like, devil personas are useful, but not that useful. They're not, like, magically super superior to any of the others. It's just, yeah. It's just really obnoxious, and he's really hard to recruit without following a guide very carefully. Guide Especially the, if you talk to his mother twice, he locks off again. That's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, some of the Saga games had interesting recruitment techniques, but nothing as convoluted as that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> but yeah, I can't. I can't think of a more of a more labyrinthine set of uh, set of requirements than Reiji. Well, I'm sure I could think of something if I if I focus hard enough. Oh. Um, I mean, well, anything from Grandia Parallel Trippers probably counts, because some of those <laughs> is off. But, I mean, they weren't really complicated, they were just in Japanese. Um, um, what was it? What about the way you can actually get General Leo in your party? In Final that Fantasy VI. That's not real. <laughs> that's not real. That's I mean, you can, actually, you, you can actually do it, it's just, like, breaking the game, essentially. That's called not a bug. essentially, actually... Yeah. Um. Hmm. Remember, Shining Force has a lot of ones that just involve like going to a random place at a time that makes no sense. But... Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be Ogre Battle too. Oh yeah, yeah. But none of the ones in Ogre Battle are a hamster wearing a helmet. True. <laughs> Not a single one. Checkmate. No. You, win. you win this round, sir. <laughs> well then, okay, so let's change the question to what are some of the weirdest party members you have ever seen? Oh, man. Well, Sui Coden always liked to have, like, entire squadrons of random animals. Mm-hmm. So they're like um, an entire duck brigade in three. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And of course, like I've I've mentioned, the Alliance Alive's penguin dude, it's he's fun. Yeah. Quality. And, and Metal Max 4's Luchadora Wear Panda. <sighs> and the girlfriend motorcycle. Yeah. Then of course, uh, there's the the one that everyone has played and therefore no has as a key point of reference, like Chrono Cross is like, oh, here's a turnip. And <laughs> an alien. Yeah, but that was just like random wackiness for the sake of random wackiness with absolutely no justification. Yeah, those guys never do anything, which is what really bothers me. Yeah. Give me an entire storyline about that turnip. I want to meet him. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You got any uh, weird ones, Wheels? Uh, nothing's coming to mind. Uh, I'm trying to think of more Shining Force ones. Uh, well, there was the turtle in Shining Force 2. 
who is like this ter- terrible, really bad turtle who attacks by chucking his helmet, who turns into a less bad but still terrible giant turtle that can uh, breathe fire and stuff. But terrible. Hmm. Very terrible. Uh, I can't believe that you're doing that turtle that dirty. He's bad. <laughs> Incredibly rude. He's bad, man. I I tried the ha- I tried my my darndest to make that turtle good, and it was a waste of time. Complete waste of time. <laughs> that turtle gave his all for your army, and you're doing this to him. Well, yeah. Uh, what else? Shining Force. Uh, you're the one that's played more of them. You're going to have to... Uh, I think yeah, the hamster was the only real big one. I mean, you know, Jogurt is, is powerful. He's very strong. He is my friend. So, you know, trust in him. I mean, he's not actually good. He's actually, in fact the reverse of good, but by God. Let's see, weird companions. Blue Dragon has this weird yellow dude who is the most if annoying you go, creation If you go ever. into this, I will, I will end you. I will end your life. <laughs> what the hell? I'm just saying, he's a weird dude. You rant about, I will end your life if you rant about this again. Okay. Okay. Uh... He's a weird dude. Plus, he's not even that unusual. He's just a, it's just a mascot character. <sighs> Every game has one of those. It's true. It's true. Sorry. Alright. see. What was a weird mascot character, then? <laughs> First of my, well, what was your favorite mascot character, then? Uh, Mog. Mog? Yeah. You enjoy slam dancing? I, I know, do. I always like Pootsie. You the battle dog. Dogs are good. Uh, I don't know. I'll take a recent one. I, I like cats. Morgana. That's a really good one. There we go. Oh, yeah, she was a good one. Good cat. That's a game I actually need to play now that I have something that, again, that can play it. So. You got a PS4? No, it's got a Vita version. There's no Vita version of that. Yes, sir. Persona Isn't 4? Persona, oh, no, I was talking about Persona 5. I mean, 5? No, there's no Vita version of Persona 5, I don't think. Oh, really? I thought there was. No. Should have been, but no. I think it's PS3 and PS4. But you can play Persona 4. No, that's a good time. That's always a good choice. That's also a reasonably good mascot character, Teddy. Yep. Very poisonous. If it, uh, didn't... <laughs> I did not whisper out a threat before he managed to make a bear joke. Well, now I can even play Persona 4 Arena on my X-Bone. Yeah, that's a very strange thing that's happened. Yeah. Not sure why they didn't choose the updated version of the game, but whatever. The ultimate ultra suplex hold. Alright, um, I'm going to move on to... Let's see. I think there were some other questions in here we didn't get to. Okay. Was it? You're uh, the arbiter. Da, da, da. 
Uh, Dying has something about Zelda. I don't think we covered here. It says, one of the more interesting RPG vaporware stories is the Zelda game that was being worked on between Zelda 2 and Link to the Path. It was supposedly going to be closer to a traditional RPG. The problem is there have been so many conflicting re reporters on what is and was and how far along it was. Miyamoto gave a joint interview with Yuji Horii, which is the main source of info on it, but even that interview wasn't clear because at one point it acts like it's almost done, but then other statements make it seem like it's just an idea, so people speculate that he meant the idea was almost done, but not the game itself. The amount of stuff Nintendo has probably done over the years that has never been, never even been mentioned to the public and scrapped would probably drive a curious gamer insane. Uh, I would assume that scrapping or making huge adjustments to games would have been easier when game development was such a quicker process, which is probably true. Yeah. Uh... I don't think I've ever heard about this, so... I've heard this rumor. I've also heard reason to believe that this that this game, whatever it might have been, basically never existed. Yeah. It is vapor in the wind. Like, never even really was worked on if it was even officially pitched. Like, I'm given to understand that they were fairly consistent, like, basically went from... Zelda 2 to Link to the Past and didn't really make much of a stop off in NES land again. It's oh, a shame because Zelda 2 is awful. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, no one here's no one here cares enough to argue. I'm just just saying, man. They yeah. basically were like Zelda 2 comes out late enough that Nintendo stops focusing on the NES by about that point. Uh... But, uh... So that was a long question, and our answer is shorter than the damn question. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the question might also have been expanded out into, like, vaporware games that you wish had come out. I think we... I feel <laughs> like... We've already discussed that one. Yeah, we've uh, already, yeah, yeah. We already discussed vaporware, so I think this was just his response to that. Fair enough. Uh, but here's another one I also don't think we got into, or I don't remember if we got into or not. It's from Jay Scarp. What do, what do we think of the trend of Southeast Asian... Asia English subtitle releases of games that are not otherwise coming to the West. Ben, uh, we did do this one, didn't we? I don't think so. Okay. At least not last week. Ben, uh, Bandai Namco seems to be the main company taking this route to extra sales. I mean, it's cool that games like Super Robot Wars that have licensing hurdles got get an easy way for Western fans to play, but I wonder if it becomes a second tier of localization. Like with the Full Metal Panic SRPG, it seems like a way to cheap out on the localization and not get any criticism for it because it's an import. So is this a good trend, bad trend, something that's a small experiment that will slowly peter out? Like, as, as that market grows, it's going to likely become more common, actually. I mean, it Sorry, is one way to get around the licensing issues, but it's, I mean, it's all about getting more cash. Yeah. Like, if if that if that market becomes particularly discerning about localizations, who knows? But I mean, like, also, even looking at how Namco Bandai's approach to these Southeast Asian localizations has changed since they started implies that they're working towards improving them. I mean, like, yeah. the I think the first one that they did was like a Sword Art Online game that was basically machine translated, and then they just dumped that on the US PSN. That was awful. <laughs> and then... Like, they did Super Robot Wars OG The Moon Dwellers, which is a step up, but still a pretty miserable translation. But then you get to 
Super Robot Wars <laughs> V, which is not not perfect, but it is obviously a much like you would look at it and be like, this this is pretty passable localization. It's not perfect. It's got some typos and some awkward English, but it's you absolutely at no point are looking at it and thinking like, what is even going on here? <laughs> and I mean, like as that market grows, like they will learn probably more about it as well as how much they can expect people to import it and thus how much that market represents as opposed yeah. to what it literally is. It's probably not as much as people think it is. But but, at the yeah. same time, like that that market is one of those like expanding sectors. It's like how a lot of Japanese game companies are trying to break into China. It's like the cost of game development is not always supported by the home territory, but a lot of these place things are perceived as being very difficult to swallow outside of the home territory. So you see things like, well, we can sell Yakuza games in Japan. In Japan, we can sell them in China. <laughs> we can probably sell them in the U.S. That's you know that justifies them a lot longer than just trying to sell them in Japan. Yeah. Same with like Super Robot Wars is like, oh, all these old robot series are getting less and less relevant to people in Japan, but I mean some of these got imported to areas of Southeast Asia where they maintained a cultural cachet a little bit longer or like people are just thirsty for this kind of game. And that can prolong a series. I mean start um I mean considering some of the region locking over the years it may have just been really hard for gamers in like southeast asia to even get anything yeah so i think there's there's a lot more market forces going on here than just a like we can make a quick buck by making a cheapo localization yeah i think it's more interesting that they have settled on english as just the lingua franca translation for that entire region because there's no way that they can manage every single Major language. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that someone is most likely to have at least some passing familiarity with. Yeah. So that's where you go, and we kind of like people into niche games kind of reap the benefit of like, well, thank you very much. I will take that English translation. <laughs> so, really, I just call us lucky at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I see nothing really bad about that. So, uh, yeah, give us more of that. Maybe if all else fails, one of those for Scarlet Graces. But hopefully not. Hopefully I think it's just one here. Scarlet Grace. But yeah, I suspect that that. Well, uh, Scarlet Grace, Scarlet Grace is plural for all the different ports. Yeah, so I think it's we'll one see. translation. Okay, I'm trying. Trying. Uh, it would be much faster to just admit that you'd. Uh, I admit nothing. Made a pluralization mistake. <laughs> I admit nothing. Okay then. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all we got this week. Um, uh, we successfully beat the life out of every line, part of discussion, and then occasionally crashed into new areas of discussion. Okay. Well then. Wheels, have you been reading anything? I have not, unfortunately. Was kind of. I'm gonna rough. beat you up. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep poking you about that. Yes, unfortunately, it's a rough weekend. My my son got a bad cough, which turned out to be croup, and yeah. Is that a real word? I feel like you just made that word up. Croup? No, <laughs> that is. Word. Yeah, it's a real. Not. I've great never heard thing. of croup. Yeah. I'm kind of glad for that. 
It's yeah. My sister used to have it really bad when she was little, and thankfully my daughter does not. It's a pretty bad cough. Sorry to hear it. That's all right. He's doing better now. Uh, so him and I watched a lot of uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, which I just grabbed on DVD. Such a good Spider-Man. Yeah. But I will be reading some of that book soon. And also, Daylight Savings Time messed me up. Yeah. Yeah. Did that to me, too. It was great. I loved it. I hated it, actually. I was binge-watching some of uh, The Man in High Castle on Amazon, and I was like, uh, all of a sudden, it was 3 a.m. Huh, I don't recall watching that many episodes. (laughs) Yeah. I hate Daylight Savings Time. Evil I know enough people to benefit from it that I will. I, I know enough people to benefit from it that I can't complain too hard. Evil. Wow. Well, uh, I guess that's about all we have to say for today. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'm sure. hasn't been reading. I'm sure it's good for some people. Uh, so, uh, yep. Send us questions in the usual manner. I'm on Twitter at swheels. Uh, you can ask Dave permission to f- to see his tweets. Uh, They're not that good, but I mean, like I'll probably say yes regardless. Sandboy Master <laughs> and Gaijin is at not on Twitter. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> I wonder if so- someone definitely has not on Twitter as a Twitter. Oh, oh, I'm I hate sure. this. And okay, you, you can find Gaijin's book on the Amazons. It is uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, and it is quite good. I hear. Because I haven't, haven't started reading. <laughs> Read it. Read it. <laughs> I shall. I want your full-throated recommendation. I have played a little more Children of Mana, which is um, not not awesome, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wears out its welcome quite quickly. Um, yeah. So, um... And it came from a, a period of the DS's lifespan where everyone was wanting to do multiplayer, but they wanted to make sure that everyone bought multiple copies. Ugh. So I get it's just that's that annoyance. It's not nearly as bad about it as like actually. Never mind. It's more annoying than Soma Bringer was because Soma Bringer at least lets you have party members, and this is like solo the entire time. Yeah. Uh, DS, DS had some weird games. It was, it was the proto 3DS. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> the predecessor to the system with the proto, the system. <laughs> the DS had a, a lot of weird, weird games, and I feel like a lot of those concepts got more, uh, crystallized on the 3DS. That much is true. And also, they got less obsessed with touch controls. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so that's our show for this week. Uh, we will see you next time. And um, yes, uh, as you can tell from the intro, you will now hear um, Route 66. Enjoy. Okay, let's. Well, if you ever plan. To Motor West Jack, take my way It's the highway That's the best Get your kicks On Route 66 Well, it winds 
Chicago. 